Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. As I was saying, uh, if you didn't hear me on live stream, we're talking about this awkward time of prayer. And it's awkward because as you sit in this circle of people and you look around the room, you kind of get that feeling of who's the one who's going to get stuck with this opportunity. And it, it, there's this uh, really, I mean, it's, there's really, is it because it's scary? Is it really because I don't know what to say? You know, there's this awkward time of prayer, but nothing really says it as well as this clip from this amazing classic Christmas movie. Check out this clip. And amen. So it's this awkward feeling of who is going to be praying in this circle. So this ritual of who has to pray, they have multiple layers to this. And this ritual goes usually like this. First of all, who is the most religious? So we're going to look around the circle. Who goes to church the most? Who is, oh, look, we've got a pastor here. We're all off the hook. I don't think I've actually been to any sort of opportunity to have food together in which, oh, the pastor's going to pray. You know, the sweat beads are all wiped off. Like, okay, he knows what to say. Or if I'm not there, then you go to, okay, Uncle Johnny. I know that he went to youth camp one time when he was a youth. You know how to pray for us. But then if that tier doesn't happen, we move to our second tier. And if we don't know, that goes to the oldest, grandma, grandpa, auntie, because they've been around the world the longest amount of time, they've heard the most amount of prayers possible, so therefore they would know how to pray, the oldest in the circle. But then there's this awkward, terrible moment, which is we can't identify the most religious, we can't really identify who is the oldest in the circle, we now just get picked. So mom looks around the circle or your friend and says, Bill, will you pray for the meal? Now, when this happens, nobody's looking at anybody in the eye. Everyone's looking down at their plate, right? Say, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. And you're laughing because you've all done this. So you're looking around super awkwardly. Bill, you get picked. Bill looks up right now, and it looks like he's just been asked to walk the plank. Bill looks up. All the color leaves his face. And then he just looks around for somebody to help me. He looks around to you, desperately looks in your eyes, please save me. Will you pray for me? And you just smile and say, I'm not going to do that, Uncle Bill. And so, so now it's stuck back to Bill who closes, folds his hands and closes his eyes and everyone's looking around. And Bill now just starts to sputter out something that kind of sounds like a prayer. God is great. Thank you for this food and stuff. Help us clean our plate. Amen. And something is said, you know, it's uttered. Everyone's like, okay, phew, that's over. And then we get to the good stuff. Now, let me go back to the pastoral prayer. I want you to know this. If you ask the most religious person to pray at your meal, you are not going to get a five-point sermon. So if you ask me to pray at your meal, your food's going to be calm. Like, oh, I'm ready to pray. First of all, I'm going to pray for all these sinners in this circle because none of y'all know how to pray. Second of all, I'm going to ask that Jesus comes right now because this food's good, but the food in heaven is better. Let me talk to you about that. God, and I will give you a five-point, one, five one-hour sermon, and by the end of that, you know, your food's cold. So then it's like, do you really want to ask the religious person to pray? You ask Uncle Bill, he's going to get through this thing faster than anybody else, but as long as it's not me. And in youth group, when I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. 
when I was a youth pastor, they used to play this thing called Nose Goes. So we would be in a, we had a restaurant, we're on a mission trip, whatever. Nose Goes is that silently people start putting their finger on their nose like this. If you are not paying attention and you're too busy talking to your friend, the last person who has their fingers on their nose has to pray. So real silently, one person puts their finger up, finger, 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 and then the, the person who's laughing and talking to their friends turns and there's horror on their face knowing now that they have to pray. Does this sound familiar to you? This scenario of I really hate praying in public. What is it? What is it about prayer that is so terrifying to us? Is it terrifying because there's that pastor or religious person in your circle? So you feel that if I don't say the right religious words, if I don't have a beautiful enough prayer, if I don't pray for the right things, that I'm going to let everybody down. Or perhaps you are going to be in a scenario where you don't like talking in public. I just don't like talking in public. So talking in public is hard for me. You know, I'm introverted. I prefer not to share that. I don't like the attention or the spotlight on me. So I don't want that attention, and I hate that. It makes me sick to my stomach to think about it. Or is it more likely that you don't really have a prayer life? Isn't it more likely that it's because you don't pray? As easy as it is for me to speak the English language without having to really think about it, I also have a prayer life. When you ask me prayer, like, cool, I'm down. I don't even think about it because prayer is instituted in life. So when someone has said, hey, would you like to pray? Prayer is such a natural movement of who we are. It's what we do so that when prayer time comes, it's not scary. It's I get to pray. Have you ever sat in the circle and thought, I get to pray. I remember when I got to carve the Thanksgiving turkey. Now, depending on your rituals and your rites of man, being able to carve the turkey is a rites of passage. You are, in my ecosphere, I've come of age. Jason, would you carve the turkey? And because this is a big responsibility. I carve this thing wrong, ham is too, or the turkey's too thick. Carve it wrong, it's too thin. If I mess this whole thing up, Thanksgiving is ruined because of me. So the moment that I get to carve the turkey, I'm carving that turkey feeling like a man. And then when they take the Jason, this is beautifully carved turkey, that pride that I have as I place this piece upon my mother's plate and say, Mother, behold, your turkey is carved. She places the turkey down, placed the turkey down, and she said, it's so wonderfully done. Son of mine, I am so proud of you. You are a man. And that moment is such a rite of passage because I get to. And then I come to prayer, and there's something that shifts because I get to pray. I get to lead people to talk to the God of the universe who literally has stars and planets in his hands and literally knows everything about us and literally is here among us today, I get to talk to him? The God of the universe? I get to lead a group of my friends and family to talk to the God of the universe? I get to. But something is a barrier there. And that's how we're kicking off this new series called Praying with Paul. Prayer is this mysterious, scary thing. And depending on your background and your religious story, for some of us, prayer was never in your life. So you're like, Jason, I don't even know how to start. 
I don't know what to pray. I don't know where, I don't even, I don't even know how this works. For if you've been in more of a religious background, perhaps your prayer time was scripted. So someone would read the same things. It was written down. So you didn't have to think or process. So if something was written down, well, I can read words on a page, but I've never seen those words on a page before. It was always somebody on a stage. If you've come from a background in which you had seen and engaged in prayer before, perhaps for you, prayer is something that you so much desire and you're comfortable doing it in the privacy of a room by yourself. But when it comes to prayer with people, all of your fear starts creeping in, your anxiety about, I'm not good enough. I've heard that my entire pastoral life. Pastor, you pray, I'm not good enough. You know more words than I do. I'm like, we both speak the English language, right? I mean, you can, you can speak Spanish if you want. I mean, cool. Like, I don't know. Just tell me what you said. It, you don't have to have these words, but we're conditioned to think that prayer should look something like this. This is our conditioning. Dear God, oh, holy God, who sits upon stars and clouds and stuff, and who is almighty with sanctification and transubstantiation upon the third planet of Mars. You are great in everything and do great miracles with great mighty things. And, you, and so this prayer sounds familiar, right? And this person is praying and using all these big words. You're like, I don't know what they're saying. And I'm like, neither do I. I don't, I don't know what they're saying. And they start praying these big, huge, monstrous prayers. And then these people start quoting Bible verses. Because God, in your Bible, it says this. In your Bible, it says that. You're like, I don't know any Bible verses. Like, neither do I. And they start quoting all these things. And when they're done, they look up. And you're like, okay, now it's your turn to pray. And you're like, never. I don't know those words. I don't know Bible verses. And so fear has locked us down. And so if you've been in a story that you believe you can't pray, now you're stuck. And friends, in this series, we're actually going to look at something. And this is something I want to drive into our church family for 2022. You get to pray. You're going to hear that over and over again. You get to pray. We are going to show you how to pray. It's not scary. You don't need to use big words. You can talk exactly the way you talk. You get to talk to the God of the universe. You get to talk to him in your home. You get to talk to him when you're out and about. You get to talk to him here in church. You get to talk to him in big circles. And I talk to him the most in the shower. That may sound weird to you, but let me explain to you why. In the shower, it's my only private place in my house I get away from people, right? And for 10 minutes, I've got a hot shower on my back. And for whatever reason, it's at that place I think the most and I have clarity of mind. So I'm in there and I just start, I pray a lot. It's like my prayer place in the shower. And so I will pray in the shower. So if your religious background says you can only pray in a church, you're like, dude, that pastor prays in the shower. You can pray anywhere because you get to pray. And Paul is going to teach us a couple of very unique things through this series of how we get to pray. And today we're going to go through one of his passages, and you're going to see a very practical, very clear way that you can start a very simplistic, easy prayer life yourself. It doesn't take a lot of big words, but it's also understanding what prayer is. So I'll be reading today from 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9, if you have your Bibles with you. Bible apps, iPads, or whatever you want to use. We'll have it on the screen behind me as well. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9 is a fantastic passage that gets overlooked a lot 
Uh, because in 1 Corinthians, we're looking at Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, he's writing this letter. And oftentimes in Paul's letters, and Paul's letters make up most of the New Testament, you see this, he's, I'm thankful for you. And he kind of has this opening greeting. And so if you have read the Bible, we tend to see that as, ah, that's not as important as stuff to come. But what we're missing in Paul's writing actually is the heart of Paul. And Paul is a man of prayer. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9 says this, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow, that is a very confusing passage. And you're saying, what in the world does this have to do with prayer? If we take a look at our passage here, let's start with something. What is something that you are continuously thankful for? What is something in your life you're continuously over and over, I am just so thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my health. I'm so thankful, God, for my family. God, I'm so thankful that food is on my plate every day. Something you think in your rhythmic daily life that you are continually thankful for. What are those things in which your heart is just full of gratitude? Paul gives a unique perspective by he starts and says, I am always thank my God. So he's talking to God. I tell God, God, I am so unbelievably thankful for all of them. I am so thankful for this church at Corinth because of grace that are saved because of Jesus Christ. So he talks to God about these people in Corinth that God's grace is with them. So I always thank my God. I don't know about you, but usually when my prayer life begins, it's, hey, God, thanks for today. Here's the 75 things I need you to do for me today. Hey, God, thank you for this miracle yesterday. It's cool. I need 92 miracles today. That is not what Paul is saying. In fact, he's teaching us a way of prayer that is completely flipped to our natural, kind of what we've even seen within our culture prayer life. He says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. I thank God how awesome they are because of you, God. So he thanks God and gives him the worship for other people. It's a very unique perspective. Now, these people in Corinth are a church just like anybody else. In fact, Corinth was a really messed up area. Corinth had a society that had a ton of issues. This church is planted in the middle of it. So there was cultural stress. There was sociological stress. There was economic stress. And there was just wretchedness and sin stress. So they did not, sometimes we think, oh, it's a Bible verse, so therefore this, this church must be really awesome. No, this church actually went through a lot. And there's multiple letters that Paul's writing to Corinth to get them to say, guys, we've got to do better than what we're doing right now because this is the way of God and you're missing it. So now you take this, he says, I thank God all the time because of you because even though in this culture your grace is filling their lives. Now, for all of you, when we pray for Mosaic and the Mosaic family, 
I am not giving thanks for you because of God's grace in your life. I've never even thought that until I got into this passage and started studying. Starting to think through God, thank you so much that our church is so messed up and so full of sin, and the people who come every Sunday are so jacked up, and you love them anyway. Amen. That's Paul's prayer. They are hurting, broken people, but because of you, God, there's something amazing there. I'm so thankful, God, for these people who are hurting and broken, who are messed up, who are messing up, but because of your grace, because of Jesus Christ, everything shifts. So he is just in love with these group of people. So he says this, I'm worshiping God because of you. I want to go back to this verse, verse 5 again. Check out this verse again. For in him, this is Christ, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. So Paul says, we told you about Christ. You heard the gospel or the good news that Jesus has come and died. And I give thanks for you for all of that. But here's something even more so. I'm worshiping God because you are changing. And the reason why you're changing is because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now working in your life. And because of this work in your life, you are changing, becoming more like him. Because you're changing, I'm thanking God. Now, if this is confusing to you, look at this a little bit as a math problem, if you will. God is the focus of the prayer. He is the answer. And all of these additions that he's adding on it makes Paul worship God more because of the work he's doing in other people's lives. My prayer life lacks this style of prayer. Very rarely do I sit down and say, Lord, thank you for saving the wretch of an associate pastor, Nick Jankowski. Thank you, God, that you're working in his life. And I worship you because he is so terrible, you saved even him. I don't think or process that way. I don't think and process, I'm going to worship you, God, for the things that are happening in people's lives. I tend to skip over them. I ask for them. I pray, God, would you change the Mosaic family? God, would you change me? God, I want to be more like you. I want us to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community. God, would you help our community know more about the gospel? I will pray that way. But why don't I stop and say, God, I worship you because of all the work that you're doing in people's lives? I, I skip that part. And so maybe our prayer lives, why they're so scary and lacking, and maybe why our prayer lives if we're honest, so many of us are like dry, barren deserts. It feels dry and cracked like the air of Wisconsin in the middle of January. It just feels arid. And maybe the reason our prayer life feels arid is because we're not focusing our prayer life on the worship of God. Let me say this again. Perhaps the reason our prayer life feels dry and arid is because we are not focusing our prayer life on the worship of of God. Remember, you get to talk to God and everything in our existence. Why were you created? What is the purpose of life? You were created to worship God. That is why you exist. We were made as image bearers to be mirrors that reflect God's holiness back to him. So what's the meaning of life? You're made to worship God. There's your answer. No more questions, right? So if that is true, our prayer life would be to worship God. 
But our prayer lives become now ones of genie. Hey, God, rub the lap. Hey, thanks, genie. Three wishes. God, um, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And God, I'm really upset that you didn't do these other things I asked for. Why don't you give me what I want? Why did my friend get sick last week? Why did I lose my job? I wanted those things. Why didn't you give it to me? And when the genie doesn't answer our prayers, we stop praying. So if I'm connecting with you in any way, it's because I have lived and do live these same issues. I will pray and I'll pray and I'll pray and I'll say, God, would you do these things? God, 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 ask, ask, ask. And what's good is that God tells us to ask. But in my asking, I'm not even thinking about worshiping him. I'm just going to what I want instead of reflecting back to him because that is what I'm created for. So if my prayer life is feeling dry and arid and I don't want to do it and some religious act I have to go through, perhaps it's because my purpose of my prayer is wrong. My purpose of my prayer is to worship God in all things. And so I say, God, you don't have to listen to me but you do because you are not me. You are not human. You are God almighty. And God, where you are, I thank you for how awesome you are and all the good things you've done. God, I worship you whether you say yes, no, or maybe. I worship you in all things, but you've asked me in your word to I get to come speak to you, so I'm going to ask you some things, God. God, would you please heal my friend? God, would you please help me get that up? God, would you hear me? I'm struggling God, would you provide? We ask, but we worship. If you've ever read the Psalms, which are a group of, of poetries and songs that are put together, words of wisdom in there, you will see this is the makeup of the Psalms, if you've ever read them before. They're written out as prayers, as songs, and you will see uh, the writer, often David, say, uh, and this is my paraphrase, hey God, um, you're awesome. Everything here I hate right now. Fix everything. This stinks. I hate this. Everyone's trying to kill me. My neighbors are trying to kill me. My kids are trying to kill me. This is terrible. But then it always ends. But you are the Lord God Almighty. You are the one who is on the throne. And he always goes back to worship. This is the makeup of alms. So I'm just asking us a question in the year 2022. Is our prayer life struggling because we are not even thinking about the worship of God when we pray? And perhaps you don't even know how to get to that part yet, which we're going to get to in a second. Because when we pray, maybe you've even thought about this, when we pray, when we pray, it reveals the focus of our heart. When we pray, it reveals the focus of our heart. There is a, a movement which I'm, you may have heard of before. Uh, it's, it's this idea that this prosperity, they call it prosperity gospel. Here's the big idea, is that if I am good, God loves me. Therefore, God gives me everything I want. And usually this comes in the form of I get lots of money. So if, God, if I'm good and God loves me, I know God loves me because I'll have all the wealth and riches. Some of these guys and gals are on TV. They write books. You've heard them before. And it's very popular because that's a cool, I like that God. I like that God. That's an awesome God. I like this one. So you're telling me I just have to be a good person and do and, and follow Jesus because he loves me so much. He's going to give me everything I want like a spoiled brat child. Wait a minute. That's not a good father. And that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says, worship me and trust me. And as a good father, do we trust him that he listens and he gives as he chooses? 
But when we look at what our heart condition is, if I believe I'm praying to God so that I become rich, does that not reveal my heart condition, which isn't the worship of God Almighty, it's the worship of me? I want what I want. I pray because I'm going to get something out of it. God, I'm coming to you right now because you owe me. Now, if you haven't read the Bible, let me tell you how this works. Uh, From Genesis to Revelation, God owes you nothing. He owes you nothing. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, we had a great start, and we screwed it up in chapter 2. So we're second chapter into the book of humanity, and all of a sudden, sin breaks out, and now God's entire plan is to bring us back into what we were created to be, which is image bears reflecting his holiness and worshiping God. The beauty of that story is that that is a beautiful story of love and a God who loves when he doesn't have to. That is the grace that Paul's worshiping for. So we understand grace and mercy. Our prayer life is transformed into reflecting. So friends, perhaps your prayer life is dry or arid because you're asking God to give you what you want. And when you don't get what you want, you don't pray. I'm not going to pray about that. Thanks for nothing. And you turn against him. But I want to go back to something I asked before. What is something you continually give thanks for? Your job, your health, your family, your friends. Something are you continually grace or continually thankful for? My question comes to this. Are you continually giving thanks for the grace that is found in Jesus Christ? Or are you continually in your heart giving thanks for the gospel? And the gospel is simply this, that Christ came, Christ died, Christ took your place. You call on the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Therefore, your situation with God is fixed and the sin is now forgiven. That is the gospel. Are you continually waking up every day thankful for the fact that all the sins you committed in your past, every sin you're about to commit that day, and every sin you're going to commit in the deep future are completely covered by Christ. And every day you wake up free. So therefore, my heart condition of worship is, God, I messed up yesterday. Forgive me. You've already forgiven. Forgive me again. God, I'm going to sin this afternoon. Y'all know you are. Don't pretend you aren't. You're going to sin this afternoon. Forgiven. God, I'm going to sin next week. Forgiven. When you have a heart condition that sits in this grace, it changes the way you pray and see the world. It changes the way you see other people changes the way you see yourself, and it changes the way you approach the throne room of God. I get to pray. I get to talk to him. You get to talk to him. But we get stuck in this this routine and this idea of that prayer has to be some mathematical equation of getting God to give me what I want. We're missing the beauty of prayer is that you get to reflect the glory of God back to the one that created you and saved you through Jesus Christ. So, you get to pray. We're going to take a look at Paul's idea, because Paul doesn't exactly give us a pattern here for prayer, but at the same time, he does. Because as he is praying for this, he reflects back and says, I give thanks for you. I give thanks that you're growing them. I give thanks for these amazing group of people, though they're sinners. You love them. But one of the things that Paul does in his gratitude for God is he's not vague. He's very, very specific. So, again, not knowing where your prayer life is at, I'm, I'm shooting in all different directions. So I know I had at least a few of you today, whether you're Aunt Beverly or somebody. So he's very specific. Hey, God, can you just help me do stuff? Amen. Mm, 
That's not how, pray, how Paul is praying. Paul is praying specific, clear prayers. He expresses this. He doesn't say, God, if you really want to, it'd be really nice if you helped out these people. He says this, you, God, are going to keep them faithful to the end because of the grace in Christ Jesus. So what that means is, are you praying specific prayers about the truth of God? And this is the tension point. What are the truths of God? You are sitting in a sanctuary, a worship center this morning. There are podcasts everywhere. The Bible is on your phone. The Bible is in your iPad. The Bible is in paper. What form do you want the Bible in 2022? The truths of God and the reason why we learn God is not so that we know more so we feel like we're more religious. The more we know about God, maybe you're going to get the theme, the more you can worship God. Because in our society, knowledge of God equals I'm spiritual. You assume I'm highly spiritual because I know a lot about God. But that is not fact. Knowing and doing are completely opposite things. The more I know about God, the knowledge I have now is used to reflect and worship God. So a truth of God, there's a name of God God called Jehovah Jireh. God is the provider. And so when I say, God, you have always provided in your word. It says that you will provide. So I call on you, great provider, will you provide once again. You have provided, you will provide, and you will provide in the future because you are true to who you are. That is understanding scripture and praying God's truth. So this is where our attention comes. What if I don't know these things? I say, welcome to Mosaic, because we're all on the journey together, and that's why we're here. It's so that we can build into your life, you as a disciple of Jesus. And if you've heard this before, we're a church that makes disciples that makes disciples. And so what this means is that you get to be a disciple of Jesus in the year 2022, and you get to be the one who talks to the God of the universe. You get to. And so the more that you learn about God's truth and your prayer life is growing, the more you reflect and speak back to him who he is, you are an image bearer and you're a mirror reflecting God's holiness. Prayer is not about sitting around a table, awkwardly staring at each other, saying, I don't want to do this. And prayer is not sitting at that table and while no, you're praying silently, Dear God, please don't let them pick me. That's not prayer, friends. We have really messed up something that is so unbelievably awesome and beautiful in our lives. Prayer is something that is a gift to us that we get to do. And the more that we learn and know of the Lord God Almighty, we put into action in our life and we speak his truths back to God and we now get to reflect and worship God because prayer is a worship to the God Almighty. Almighty. Something that we think about is a truth. I want to share this with you. This is a verse maybe you've heard before, but I want to read this to you today because as we go into 2022, I want to state the obvious that 2021 was garbage. I thought 2020 was terrible, and then there's the dumpster fire of 2021. And as I sat at the turning, like counting down the clock, watching the clock tick down, please turn, please turn. I'm out of there. Thank you. 2021 was hard. It was worse for me. I don't know if you had a great 2021. Uh, nice to meet you. I don't know many people who did. So 2021 was just terrible. 
And when I came to 2022, I realized, oh, look, it's the same problems. It's just a minute later. Matthew 6, 25 to 27. This is where, when we speak truth back to God, specific prayer. Check this out. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Well, I'm worried about running that half marathon, so I'm a little worried there, but we'll move on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's a, that's a good verse. Thank you for sharing, Pastor. I'm going to go my way. I'm worrying even now as you're saying it because I don't know your situation. You don't know my story. I have so much going on. I'm so worried. I'm so full of anxiety. What am I going to do next? I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And you have all this anxiety, but hear the word of God. Matthew 20, 6, 25 to 27 says this. Don't worry about your life. This is Jesus talking. Why are you worried about stuff? God takes care of all everything you see, all the animals, all the birds. Don't worry. He's got you. God will provide. Now, if I know this verse and I can live this verse and now I pray this verse, hey, God, um, I'm struggling right now. I'm so worried about this next year. Fill in the blank of your problem. But God, your word says, I'm not supposed to worry because you said that you take care of birds and you love me more than those things. So you love me. I'm going to say, God, I'm not going to worry. You said you're going to take care of me. God, please take care of me. You said you would. I trust you because you're the Lord God Almighty. And I'm here to reflect your glory. Amen. That is how we pray, friends. That's is a different style of prayer. That is praying like Paul. With the confidence of the scripture, we come before God and say, God, you have said this. You are the provider. God, provide. Then when worry and anxiety starts to fill our lives, which is going to, it's going to. Anxiety is through the roof. There's so much anxiety. And my heart breaks for Generation Z, who is growing up in so much anxiety. They're growing up in terrorism. They're growing up in war. They're growing up in a pandemic. What is Generation Z going to look like at age 40? Anxiety is already running amok through this amazing generation. And all I can say is, Lord God, may this generation cling to your word in Matthew 6, 25, that they would stop worrying and trust you. Even though it's going to be hard and they don't like it, you said you will provide. We have to trust you. If they don't trust you, they're doomed. Lord, I claim this verse on that generation. That is a different style of prayer. And friends, this is why we read the Word, and this is why we're in the Word. So this morning, I'm going to work with you through something. You are going to pray like this this morning, out loud. No, I'm not doing that to you. I'm totally kidding. But onlineers are like, see, I told you that's why I don't go live. So, no, I'm kidding. You are going to write a prayer yourself. If you are new to this, and this is something that you might be, uh, I don't, I've never tried this before, give this a shot. And we're just going to take a simple, math, a simple form that we got from Paul and write down a prayer. So there are packets underneath you that have prayer cards, which these are for you to keep. Um, in your phones, you could use your notes app or something that can, you can keep, whatever you want to do, either writing by hand or using your phone. And we'll turn the lights up here in a second so that you can see uh, when we do this. 
It's going to be a very specific, easy way of praying. First step, hit the first slide. The first step is this. Thank you, God, for blank. Specific. And let's focus on others. So like Paul gives thanks for others, thank God for blank. Giving thanks in a heart of gratitude and gratefulness looks at our relationship with God in a very different way when you understand how much is being provided by God versus why aren't you giving me this thing that I want. So we're going to stop as a church family. I call them spoiled brat prayers. No more spoiled brat prayers in our church family. Instead, grateful, loving children prayers, which starts with thank you, God, for blank. Next piece for this. Next piece, pray with confidence a truth of God that will see his will through. So if this is new to you, God, you are a good father. God, you love and care for us. God, you're a great provider. If you don't know a lot, what do you know of God? God, you love us. God, you take care of us. A child could do this. You don't need big theological words. In fact, God wants you to talk exactly where you are on your journey. So if you're new to the faith journey or just starting out, what do you have and what do you know of God? It's simple. It's easy. It's where you are. You don't have to be big worded and go through all that stuff that we made fun of before. Where are you in your journey? You get to talk to your father. Finally, it says this. Speak and focus on the powerful and living God. God, you are powerful. You take care of us. You direct our ways. Evil can never defeat you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Who is God in relationship to you? A simple way of saying God's bigness, your smallness. God's bigness, your smallness. Take a few minutes here as you guys are writing down. We're going to have Dawn come up and start to play. I'm going to give you some time to think through this. Think through and just write down, God, thank you for this. Next sentence, God, you are blank. Last one, you speak of the powerful and living God. Because, God, you are almighty. Because, God, you are great. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.